0: This is an affiliate promotion, meaning we may earn a commission if you take advantage of this fantastic deal. Act fast, preserve your history, and save big with Go Digital at ScanMyPhotos.com. I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them, from the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. Welcome to The Photo Detective, where we cover historical image analysis, Genealogy, and how to work with your family photo collection. Hi, everyone. It is time for another installment of Ask Maureen. Thank you for all your questions on Facebook and for those that you sent me as well. So we have a lot to cover today. I've had a ton of questions. So someone wrote and said, I have dozens of large photo albums that were put together by my grandfather and father in the 1980s to the present. Do I take all the photos out of the pages and scan the whole page? So what I recommend when you have a photo album, so there's a few ways to treat it. You can photograph the entire page with your smartphone camera. Or if you can scan it, that's the whole page. That's good too. And then make sure if these are the large, oversized, toxic albums with the bad plastic overlays and the toxic glue and all of that, that you then recreate the order in another album. And you may be wondering, well, where can I get such an album? There is a company near me. I have been to their facility and I love their stuff. They sell beautiful paper albums. They've been around for a long time now, and they make absolutely gorgeous albums. So you want to photograph or scan the page with the photographs on it in the order in which they are. Then you can uh, transfer those images if they're in those toxic albums to a good quality acid and lignin-free album. And then as someone is saying that they are trying to identify people in a large group photo, what is a good procedure for blowing up individual faces and comparing them to other photos of possibly the same person? So a very simple is to use your word processing program and then crop the image around the face of that person and blow it up and then take the other person and blow it up as well. But you can also do some facial recognition things in some of the photo organizing software. With big group portraits, that's a real challenge. But the only thing you can do is lay them side by side and see how you go. If I come up with any other tips for you, I'll let you know. And someone else wanted to know how many backups of digital photos are a good idea. And are those flash drives that collect all your photos off your computer, are they all that they're cracked up to be? So, two questions, long answer. How many backups should you have? So, let me ask, how many backups do you currently have of all of your things? So, for me, I have everything on my computer. Then I have things stored in iCloud. I have some really important stuff, both backed up to Dropbox and to an SSDI drive, which is a portable hard drive. And then I also uh, have all my photographs in MemoryWeb, which is a photo organizer created by genealogists for genealogists. You probably heard me talk about them. I really like it. I enjoy using MemoryWeb. I enjoy all the features they have. They really think through new tips for all of us to use. So how many backups are too many? That's really up to you. But I think you should have several, at least three, just as a backup of a backup. I did have a hard drive die last year and it almost took away a very important project that I thought was safe on the hard drive. It was not. Thank goodness I had backed it up to another hard drive and I have since backed it up to also Dropbox. I just because I really can't lose these, I can't recreate what I've got on the hard drive. And the second part of that question was, are those flash drives that collect all photos off your computer, are they all they're cracked up to be? So flash drives are temporary. They're a temporary holder. You don't want to use them long-term. They don't last that long. For instance, a portable hard drive, if you buy them, it looks on, you look on the box and it'll say, replace in two years. A flash drive lot lasts a whole lot less time than that. So you don't want to put anything on a flash drive. And I'm not sure what they do. Do they compress the images? There's more research involved in that before I can answer that fully. But in general, I would not use one of those. Are records available of any of the old photo studios? So that's a yes and a no answer. Some studios still have records in which they have been donated to a historical society or someplace like the International House of Photography at the International Museum of Photography at the George Eastman House. So... What happened is a photography studio would go out of business and sometimes they would sell their business, including everything else, props, everything, lock, stock, and barrel, all of the images, including the negatives, to the next person who bought the building. Because the photo studios have this like hierarchy of places that were good to take pictures. And so they would pass that on. All you can do is look. Sometimes photo studio records and images stay in the hands of families like descendants. A few years ago, I went to a photo show in New York City and a friend of mine saw all these great oversized pictures of Providence for sale in a Boston area gallery. And I spoke to the person and later on, we communicated back and forth quite a bit. And I discovered that while the photographer had left Providence in the 1890s to move to Ontario, Canada, he had taken everything with him, including these great big large oversized prints of the city. And just a few years ago, the family decided to, to, you know, sell them. And that's, I think what happens sometimes. So it depends. I guess the answer is it depends. What happens to old photo studio records? They might stay in the family for a while. They might get tossed. They might go to a museum or historical society. All you can do is look. And maybe you'll get lucky one of my clients asked me if i had advice for scanning glass negatives and i do i found a video on youtube which is fabulous i scanned some glass negatives in my day and i need to actually buy some glass negatives so i can try some other techniques uh, but this woman works in an archive and she really had it down it's perfect instructions so take a look at the video it will help you when you're scanning glass negatives and I advise that you scan them all because they have a tendency to break so it depends on how you you store them as well the common thought is you store them store them upright with cardstock between them in a very heavy box you know you don't want them to fall and break because that's what will happen what number or type of pencil is best to mark the back of photos from the early 1900s So here's my answer. You can use an ebony pencil, but they're rather thick and you need a special pencil sharpener. Or if you go to an art supply store, you can get a 6B or an 8B pencil. And that's B. Put that in the the thing as well. 6B or 8B, not H, pencil. This is good for writing on the back of heritage images. If you wanna write on the back of resin-coated pictures from the 1960s, then what you really wanna do is invest in a pigment ink marker, like a Zig marker. Art supply stores have these as well. Amazon has them by a dozen. So you can do all of that. So remember, pencil on cardstock, resin-coated paper, you need a pigment ink marker, something that's bleed-proof, quick-drying, smell-proof, all of that, and very, very readily available. So does anyone have any other questions for me that they want to put in the chat before I get on to the last few questions that I have? I hope you're going to join me in February for my podcast. I, the whole month is focused on tintypes. Seriously, there's a lot to know about those little metal images. I have a modern Tim typist. <laughs> I have a, a man who collects tin types. We had a great conversation both times talking about what these images are, why our ancestors love them and why they're so collectible. I have new courses. Two weeks ago, I did a course with Nancy Desmond called getting started with digital photo organizing that is now available in my store for 49 99. I last week, I did a free webinar, tackle your photos with my heritage, where we talked about the photo dashboard and the enhancement and colorization tools. Plus, they just made the announcement that there are two new tools, which are very cool. One is a restore color. If you upload a color photo to your account, you will get a different button up, up there where it's colorization and enhancement to restore the color. And then on the app there is a way for you to record a story associated with an image. So MyHeritage is definitely the industry leader of the big genealogy companies having a lot to do with photos and photo tools. There's a whole long list of things on my wish list (laughs) for MyHeritage and some other companies. And maybe I'll just do an entire podcast on what I would like to see as the photo detective and what people ask me for. What else? Okay, let's see what questions you have in the chat. Caitlin wants to know, can you give us a sneak peek of a tintype that was a surprise for you to find? Yes, there was on eBay, a tintype that was listed a woman sneezing. And it was so totally not the woman sneezing. It was a woman weeping into a man's handkerchief from about 1870. The other surprise I had was someone had misread a name that, that was written beneath uh, a type in a paper f- folder. And it turned out to be one of my last muster guys. So I get that for a good number, which is good. And Claire wants to know that in the 1890s, Providence photographers, do you know if there's a good list of years those studios were in operation apart from mining the city directory? Well, guess what? I've done a lot of research on Providence photographers, and I have a whole notebook of information on when they were in business. So, Claire, please send me an email, and you can do that through the pop-up button on my website called Need Help. Or you can email me at photodetective at Maureen And I'd be happy to consult my notebook and see what I have available for information on that particular photographer. And what else do we have? Ah, Becky has a related question to the glass negative one in that she mentioned that her great grandfather took pictures when he was a missionary to South Africa in the late 1800s. They're all glass negatives. How do I preserve them and reproduce the pictures? So, first off, You need to scan them, as I mentioned. Look at that YouTube channel link. That will give you all the information that you need to know. It's even step-by-step, so you can follow along with the young woman. How do you want to reproduce the pictures? Well, it sounds like you have the journal that he wrote. What a find that is. And that you would like to make a modern book using both for our family. So there are definitely ways to do that. I'm not sure what's happening in the photo book world right now. You can certainly put that together yourself with Pages or with Microsoft, or even in with the Google Docs thing that you can do and you can drop images in all of that. And you can print it up yourself or send it off to a printer. The other big companies like Shutterfly and Snapfish, I just read today, I subscribed to a newsletter that really has its finger on the pulse of the photo business. And Shutterfly just laid off 800 people. So I'm not sure what that means for their business model, but If I get any more information about that, I will let you know. Joanne wrote, when did hand-coloring photos become popular? All the way from the beginning, Joanne. As soon as the daguerreotype came about, there were photographers that were tinkering, trying to find a way to make it color. There were also artists that worked with the photographers who hand-painted them with gold leaf and a little pink dust to make them look more alive. And that becomes... You know, there's other images later in the 19th century where they're completely hand-colored. Those are called crayon portraits. Oh, we have a brick wall ancestor, Angie. And you said that all you have for his parents are his father's initials and his mother's first name and last initial. While this podcast and Ask Maureen is mostly about photographs. Photographs pretty much involve everything. You have to use every skill that you have to identify and interpret your photographs, including having good research skills. So I'm not sure if you, you didn't tell me when they were alive, but there are advanced search techniques that you can do on ancestry.com where you might be able to solve it just with that information. And then Ginny is organizing her ancestor photos by placing them in individual acid-free clear plastic envelopes. Yay. That's like awesome. Can you think of any reason I would not want to fix a small label on each one? If you mean on the plastic sleeves, then you can do that. Just know that after a certain period of time, that will release and then that label will be gone. Archivists sometimes use small pieces of acid and lignin free cardstock that they slip behind the image and then they write information on that so that it's always with the picture and the, the label. You know, they don't have to worry about the label coming off. I did hear from Kitty. She sent me an email in response to a blog post I wrote about weeding photos. And she made a very good point. Now, I know that all my double trip and triple prints, there's nothing written on the back because they're mine. And we, you know, took one out, meant to do something with the other one and, and never did. So there's nothing on the back of mine. But Kitty did say, be sure before you toss those double and triple prints, to make sure you flip them all over to make sure someone in the family has not written on the back and you're getting rid of information. Thank you, Kitty. That was a great tip if you're living and listening. Carol wants to know about a company that I use for preservation supplies. That would be Gaylord.com. They work with a lot of museums and uh, archives. I have new courses coming up in March, perhaps a new webinar and a new free webinar a couple of them actually that I'm working on and accumulating all the information on. And I think you're going to be really interested in these. So with that note, I'm going to sign off. I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. Thank you for joining me for ask Maureen. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media. Leave me a rating and a review And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, share this episode with them too. See you next time. I'm thrilled to be offering something new. Photo Investigations. These collaborative one-on-one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.